Welcome everybody here in Durban, Belito. If you're a first-time visitor, a special welcome to you. All those in uh, watching on Faith TV, those that are watching on YouTube, Facebook, any other of our uh, uh, live stream platforms. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Great to have you in church. I've been away. The first Sunday I was in Pretoria, standing in for pastor. At the second Sunday I was in CRC London. We are building one church, many locations. We had a great time in London. We got back yesterday afternoon. And um, if our eyes look a bit baggy and droopy, they're not. We do not succumb to our flesh. But I want to tell you that there is something about the name of Jesus. And when you walk around a place that you're not familiar with, uh, you see whether people have got life in their eyes or not. And I want to say this again, and I thank God for Pastor Art's messages this last couple of weeks. Um, for our church specifically here in Durban and Belito, we have got a job to do. God has called us to do something great in our city and our nation. And I want to thank God for a leader like Pastor Utt. I don't take it for granted for the impact that he's had on my life and uh, on our church's life and as the, uh, at the Church of South Africa. But as I was at the airport yesterday, collecting our baggage in Johannesburg, and um, I'm going to say this before we even sit down, that uh, my, white, my wife's bags were overweight coming home. I was overweight coming home. Okay. The bags were overweight. I was overweight. London's got some nice places to eat. But um, I was standing next to a lady, got talking to her, and, and she works for an NGO, doing very well, etc., etc. And, and I said something about Durban. She goes, I also live in Durban, but I'm moving. That place has got no future. And I hope I said, I disagree with you. I said, this is the greatest city in Durban. And I want to declare today that if you live in KZN, and you declare and prophesy that this is the greatest city, this is the greatest province. God's going to move in our city, in our province, in our nation like never before. We have a future. We have a hope because God is with us. God is for us. And God lives on the inside of us. Oh, come on. If you believe it this morning, give God a great big shout out. Well, you may be seated. It's been a year like none other it's been a year like none other we've had 27 months nearly 28 months of all this COVID small c rubbish but for me personally it's been a year like none other it's been a year where i've experienced some of the most challenging opposition as a leader it's been the most a year where I've faced some of the most challenging circumstances as an individual. At the same time, it's been a year where I've seen the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the favor of God. I was going to preach a message called Outnumbered, but the Lord said to me, no, it's been a year since you faced some of the most daunting tasks and challenges that you have ever had to overcome. And so this morning, my message quite simply is, this is my story. This is my story. The Bible says in Psalm 34 verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. It doesn't say he delivers him out of some of them. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them, not some, but all of them. I want to say to you this morning, I don't know what you're facing as an individual, but don't lose hope. It too shall pass. It too shall pass. God is more in control of things than what you think. 
I mean, sometimes we don't understand certain things and why we've got to go through certain things. And if God is God, then why couldn't He just at the blink of an eyelid uh, change the circumstances? Because God has got the end purpose always in mind. God has always got what He has an outcome for the process that you find yourselves in. I mean, many things don't make any sense. We look at a brown cow eating green grass <laughs> and it produces white milk. I mean, explain that to me. Just, just think about the logic behind it. A brown cow eating green grass and then produces white milk. But we don't have to. All we have to do is go to the shop and buy the milk. When you buy the milk, you're not thinking about the green grass and the fact that it's a brown cow and it's drinking clear water. All you want is the milk. All you want is the yogurt. All you want is the, pro the, the product, the final product. You're not trying to work out how it went through what process to get where it is. How come when it comes to the things of God, we're always trying to work it out. And every time there's a hurdle, every time there's a setback, every time there's a problem, we're questioning whether God is in it instead of trusting God in the process. I got to the place in my life where I said, God, I'm going to trust you whether it makes sense or no sense. Even if I feel it's nonsense. Okay, you didn't get that. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than your earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In the same way, we, we will never fully understand how God operates, but we can have faith that God has delivered us that God is busy delivering us, that we can have trust in Him for the future because He will continue to deliver us. Why? Because He is God and we are His subjects. We are His children. The Bible says in Genesis 39 verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. The one thing we have to understand is no matter what we're going through, God is with us. Isaiah 14, 27 says, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? One translation says, it talks about how nothing that God has ordained can ever be stopped. No matter what the journey is, no matter what the setback is, no matter what the oppositional resistance is, God is more in control than what we think. I mean, if you look back at the life of Joseph, the Psalm 105 verse 17, which many Christians don't quote, it says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. People thought that his brothers had persecuted him, that his family had rejected him, but God used that family to position Joseph into a place to save people. God will use the negativity and the opposition and the struggle and the battle that you and I have to go through in order to fulfill His purpose in the world. Just as I looked at that lady yesterday at the baggage belt and she said, I'm leaving Durban, I'm moving to Cape Town. I thought, if you were a Christian and you understood purpose, if you were a Christian and you understood purpose, one of our leaders came to me this morning and said, another leader in our church is moving to Johannesburg. And I thought, who's he submitted it to? Who's he shared it with? What's, does he understand purpose? Why do we just make these random decisions and we don't take God into the equation? Why do we just make choices and we don't take God into the equation? Listen, if you are a leader in our church and somebody is, is, is moving away from the presence of God and moving away from the purpose of God and moving away from the plans of God, you better speak up. I mean, we can all move to any city we want to. 
We can all move to any country we want to. Oh no, it's expensive to immigrate. No, it's not. No, it's not. What's expensive is you've cut off your past. What's expensive is what you've left behind. But we want to stay in the perfect will of God. We want to stay in the presence of God. We want to stay in the purpose of God. This is my story. It's about His purpose in my life. And you and I should all have a story which reflects the purpose of God and the journey that you have with God. I mean, the world has gone crazy in the last 27 months. We've seen things, heard things. In some cases, even done things that make absolutely no sense at all. We live in a world that is confused, a world that is struggling with their identity, a world that doesn't know who they are and, and what is the reason they are living for. And Christians have been tested for the first time in what they really believe. We sat having breakfast the other morning in a hotel in London and it's just how God would have it. We meet a man, very successful businessman. I mean, I'm talking about wealthy, 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 wealthy. South African. We invited him because he was talking to us to sit and have coffee with us. He told me his whole story. I said, you've done great, but do you know him? And him is not some other successful person in South Africa. Him is Jesus Christ. Because until you know him, you know nothing. Until you know him, you have nothing. Until you know him, you are nothing. You need to get to know him. Stop telling me how many cars you own and how big your house is and how much money you're spending on holiday. Why don't you tell me about the one that sails, saves, the one that heals, the one that delivers, the one that makes whole. Oh, come on. You are empty until you know him. Until you know Him. Pastor, don't you realize it's holidays? Just, just chill down a bit. And No, no, I can't chill down when I talk about Jesus. And I want to say this to you, that in the midst of all this confusion and all this craziness, God is still working. God is still in control. This is my story. 220, 2020, 220, no, 2020. COVID, I'm going to say it again, little c, hits the world. And the Christians forget that we serve Jesus, capital J, and He's still in control. But COVID hits the world in 2020 and things are shut down quickly. My leader. Oh, pastor, you always refer to pastor. That. Well, he's my leader. After Jesus he's, and the Holy Spirit, He's had the biggest influence on my life. He declares that in the midst of COVID, what the enemy intends for our harm, God will turn around for our good to save many people alive. And I begin to declare that over my life every day. I begin to declare it over our church every day. And in the beginning, all it was, was me quoting a scripture. And it had to get to the place where it became a revelation knowledge of God and His Word. What the enemy intended for evil against me, God will turn around for my good, for His glory, to save many people alive. What the enemy intended for evil, God will turn around for my good, for His glory, to save many people alive. What the enemy intended, I started declaring it every single day of my life I would say the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever I would say good things are coming my way goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life what the enemy intended for my harm 
God will turn around for my good, for His glory to save many people alive. He declared Psalm 23, that the Lord is our shepherd and, and He will lead us. Didn't say God will just put you into these lush fields and you'll have no problems. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. He will lead me. He will guide me. He's my shepherd. He'll provide for me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for God is with me. I would meditate on Psalm 23 and even though things are going crazy and the world is going crazy and, and people are going crazy I said God you are still my shepherd you are real to me you're going to lead me you're going to guide me you're going to protect me you're going to provide for me you're going to get me through this and I know that goodness and mercy will end up following me all the days of my life you see this is not a religion to me for, for many people in church, and I'm not criticizing, but for many people in church, it's a tradition. It's a culture of tradition and it's religion and, and you can't do this and you mustn't do that and, and you're too excited and you spit when you preach. And you spit when you're passionate as well. I'm not going to go down that route because I did last time and it got me into trouble. <laughs> little, little dry kiss a dry kiss there's not kiss there's no passion there right when you shout for the sporting team of your choice you don't shout dry you shout you don't care if the person in front of you is going to take a bath or a shower after you shouted you shout how can we not be passionate about Jesus how can we not get excited about the one who saved us who redeemed us who, who blessed our lives who's helping how can we not get excited huh I mean, too many Christians are, are, are focused on, on, on looking right and acting right and being right instead of loving right. When last did you just get down on your knees before the presence of God and really allow God to work with you? Now we come to church and it's hallelujah, oh, we look good. I haven't even got rhythm. Everybody's going left in church, I'm going right. Everybody's singing in tune, I'm out of tune. Everybody's singing the right words. I'm having such a good time with Jesus. I don't even know the words I'm singing. And my daughter's looking at me. <laughs> Got you there. Because I'm passionate. Because He's real. We've turned relationship into ritual. If you want to have a good marriage, you've got to have a date night. Well, not a bad idea, but when? Every Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, we're going on a date. How boring. How predictable. Do you know why most marriages end up losing it? Because they take God out of the equation, number one. And number two, they become so predictable, it becomes boring. When last did you cut your hair differently, dye your hair differently, look differently, smile differently? When last did you run up to your husband or to your wife and give them the biggest smooch you've ever done? When last did you just have a bit of passion back in your marriage? Come on. Well, get the passion back for God. Get your fire back for God. Get your joy back in God. Change the way you are so you become more like God and more exciting and more... I mean, how do you get boring? I like how we sang the old songs. It was so nice. It was nice then. But we're moving with God. Methods change. Message doesn't. 
And so I decide that in the midst of this crisis, I'm going to trust God. At the same time, we as a church, we're in a legal battle fighting for the owning of this building. And COVID actually gave the current owners an upper hand. And I would stand and say, Lord, what the enemy intended for harm, you will turn around for my good, for your glory, for the sake of purpose to save many people alive. I would say things like, <laughs> you guys don't think I'm crazy, but the scripture I quoted right in the beginning, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I would say, God, I am righteous. I'm not perfect, but I'm righteous. I'm in right standing with Jesus. You're going to deliver me from this affliction. You're going to work things around for my good. I would quote 20, uh, 2 Chronicles 20, 20, Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe His prophet and you shall prosper. My prophet being passed out said that the enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy, but God has come to give me life. My prophet, my pastor has said that what the enemy intended for your harm, God will turn around for good uh, uh, to save many people alive. I would declare it and say, listen, if my faith is weak, I'm just going to trust God for what He said to my man of God. Because He helps me through men of God. He leads me through men of God. He casts vision for me through men of God. We started preaching through 1 Samuel 30. Going back there. Because some of you have forgotten this. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, talking about David at Ziklag. And it says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to their city, and there it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jerusalemites and Abigail, the widow of Nadal, uh, Nadal, Nadal, didn't play Wimbledon, so now it's his widow. No, okay. Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David found himself in a crisis, and the people turned on him, but he went back to God. And then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the effort here to me. And David and Abiathar brought the effort to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall overtake them, and without fail recover all. I wonder how many of us in the midst of our crisis went back to God strengthened ourselves in the Lord, inquired from God and got a word from God and stood on the Word of God and said, listen, God, you've spoken to us as CRC. We are to pursue what the devil is intended to use to destroy us and we are to recover all and more. Father, I don't care if this one leaves. Lord, I don't care if that thing happens. Lord, I don't care if we have a fire. I don't care if we have floods. God, you've said we shall recover all and I'm going to stand on your Word and I'm going to believe your promise. I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might and we will recover all and more in the name of Jesus. Oh, it's easy to get excited when we preach, but can we stand strong? This is my story. 
This is not just a sermon. It's my story. I had to live this. Every single day, I had to get on this platform and preach into a camera and tell people that the Lord is good while we lock down. I had to tell people that the Lord is good while we feel isolated. I had to tell people the Lord is good while we felt the financial pinch. I had to tell people, nobody else there, just the camera. God loves you. God will turn around for your good. Trust Him. At the same time, I was living it. The church was scattered. This is my story. I've lived these last 12 months. 2021, Pastor declares it's a year of divine restoration and recovery. We will pursue. We shall overtake them. We shall recover all. 2021, we had seen our income drop in 2020 with COVID. We had seen people being scattered with COVID. We had seen people leaving Durban with COVID. And 2021, we are excited because it's a year of divine orchestrated restoration and recovery. God is good. And we work hard and we pray hard and we seek God and we do what was possible. And God was busy orchestrating what is impossible. And then the riots come. It's a year ago that the riots hit our city. 8th of July was the beginning of that fateful week where Durban went absolutely crazy. Where people were scattered because of COVID, they're now scattered because of the riots. A year later, we still don't have an answer. We still don't have people arrested. But etched in the, etched in the memory of many Durban people is what happened a year ago. Many left. Many suppress those fears and concerns. I want to tell you this morning, if you're governed by fear, get rid of fear. Because the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. The Lord is still good. The Lord is still good. And God will turn it around. We've got to rid our lives of that fear and bring in the gospel of good news. The riots hit. A crazy season in every Durbanite's Mind. I mean, they talk about the Gauteng and, and Durban uprising, KwaZulu-Natal uprising. I want to tell you that what Gauteng saw, I'm not being anti-Gauteng, was nothing compared to what Durban experienced. I salute every Durbanite that stood their ground. I salute every Durbanite that, 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 that stood strong in this season. I salute every member of our church that, that did what was possible at that season. But we're in a time where Pastor Addis declared a year of divine restoration and recovery and we see the craziest thing we've ever experienced in our lives. But God is faithful. I mean, it's almost a year, what well, is a year since the devastation of violence gripped our city. We saw our church totally looted. They had four attempts to burn down our building. They burnt down the building on the left-hand side. They burnt down the building on the right-hand side. What, what, what does concern me 
is I read an article yesterday and I read an article today about what transpired a year ago and they talk about how business was disrupted and they talk about how, how, how schools were disrupted but there's not mention about how the church was disrupted. There's not mention, one mention about how a church was, was, was ransacked, how a church they try to destroy. It's amazing how they place business above church and how they place schools above church but the Bible teaches us in Ephesians that, 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 that the world is peripheral to the church. The church is through which God operates. We better put a bigger price value and a bigger value and a bigger honor upon the church of Jesus Christ. Four attempts. Thanks for the great big clap and shout and praise there in Belita, not here. Four attempts to burn down our building. 80% of all our equipment either stolen or destroyed. But the Bible says all the forces of darkness can't stop what God has ordained. The Bible says that we to pursue for we shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. My pastor has said it's a year of divine restoration and recovery and I'm going to stand on that because God is still good. God still works through prayer and God still saves. And we will see revival in our land. And I'll say it again, I thank God for the church of Jesus Christ and I thank God for godly leadership like Pastor Art in CRC and specifically in my life. 2022, Pastor Art declares year of divine orchestrated breakthrough. Now, What's important to note in the seasons, these seasons in my own life, not only am I declaring the Word of God and it doesn't make me, be, me something special, but I just chose to believe. I said to somebody before the service this morning, I said, uh, um, I'm not the brightest person. And they said to me, Pastor, you can't say that about yourself. And I said, well, um, okay, maybe I'm very clever, but, but I'm bright because, I'm not bright, but in the world's eyes, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bright, uh, dumb enough to believe God's word. When all hell is breaking loose, I'm dumb enough to believe God's word. In actual fact, I'm clever. Because everybody else is trying to work it out. I'm saying, God, if you said it, I believe it, that settles it. How's he going to do it? I don't know. I don't have to know. I mean, I get in an airplane in South Africa and the screen in front of me tells me it's going to take me 11 hours to land in London Heathrow. And the pilot says, buckle your seatbelt, then I get done. He doesn't say, tell me how to fly the plane. He doesn't say, which button do I push to start the engines? No, 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 he doesn't say anything. I just get in and I buckle up and I get in and I land on the other side. I don't ask how it works. I don't ask how the law of this and the law of that, and I just get in and fly. Why when it comes to the things of God, we're always trying to work things out? Because many of us have stopped trusting God and try to work things out and, and, and bring God into our world or our equation when we're having a tough time. Listen, my brother, my sister, learn to trust God in every area of your life right now. Make a decision. God, if you said it, I believe it. If you said I'm going to love my neighbor, I'm going to love my neighbor whether they're nice to me or not. God, if you say I must forgive those who've hurt me, I'm going to forgive those who hurt me. God, if you said it's more blessed to give than to receive, God, I'm going to do the possible and see you do the impossible. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk with you. We're going to see revival in our city. We're going to receive a revival in our province. We're going to see revival in our nation. Oh, God's going to turn our schools around. God's going to turn our universities around. God's going to turn our city around. God's going to turn our economy around. Oh, God's going to turn our marriages around in the name of Jesus. We still had, all of us, experienced some personal losses, lost some loved ones, took some financial knocks and had lots of unanswered questions. 
In this season, my father was hospitalized for six months. Was in ICU for 40 days, in a coma for 17 days on a ventilator. Had four major surgeries. His heart stopped in theater. His lung collapsed in theater. And amid all this, he had his leg amputated and woke up to find that he's got one leg missing. And on top of that, for me, he didn't know the Lord, although I'd shared with him. But family, I learned to trust God. I learned not to try and understand everything. And yes, we took some shots. I mean, in Durban alone during the riots, the estimate is 450 people lost their lives. As I said, the building was looted and ransacked. All our equipment destroyed. In July last year, we lost 80% of our church income. We've seen roughly 1,400 members, not backslide, leave Durban in the last 27 months. We've had members stop coming to church because one guy said to me, we fed the poor throughout COVID and it was those, those poor that possibly destroyed our church. So they left. But God. God had other plans and God still has other plans. And no matter what you're facing, God can still turn around for your good, for His glory. I'll never forget the day that we got to back to the building after the riots. That first time, that Friday morning, we were allowed through the blockades and we came here to see what destruction had taken place and how they destroyed our building and how every door was broken, every office ransacked and what they didn't steal, they threw through glass windows, etc., etc. They went so far as to defecate on our porch. That's how sick it was. Beer bottles lying all over the place. But the one thing that stood was in my office, I have a mirror with the words that Pastor Ut spoke over our church when we dedicated this building to God. Never touched it. The vision remained. The dream remained. The purpose remained. We are here to populate heaven and we are here to plunder hell and we are here to take territory for God and we're here to establish a house of revival. We're not going to stop what the enemy intended for our harm. God will turn around for good. I'll never forget that day. And I said to some of the people that were around, we're going to pray here tomorrow morning and we're going we're to clean up the mess, what we could clean up. And we came here that Saturday morning spoke to some members of our church who used to be with us now in London. They remember that morning so clearly how they came here with us. And I guess there were about 100 people and we cleaned up outside as much as we could, as much as the insurance would allow us to. And we stood here praying. The one thing they couldn't steal was all the chairs. We repacked them a little bit and we stood here praying. I remember I saw a video of it the other day and I was standing over there and we just worshiped God. We worshiped God in the face of opposition, in the face of trial. In the face of losing everything, we worship God. But on that Friday, I spoke to my father who's unsaved. And I said to him, Dad, uh, this is what happened. We find they destroyed our church, but God is good. And he said, what are you doing as a leader? <laughs> I said, we're going to have a prayer meeting tomorrow after we've cleaned up. He said, aren't you having church on Sunday? I said, Dad, uh, there's nothing left to have church. All our equipment stolen. No cameras, no TVs, no blah, 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 blah. He said, what would a leader do? What would a leader do in the midst of trial? Your dad, you've got to understand. He said, you charismatics are funny. 
He said, you need all the, the, the smells and the bells and the lights and the smoke. And he said, why don't you just get the people to come? At that stage, I think we were still limited to 50 people in attendance. I went to bed that Friday night. I hardly slept. Hardly slept. Wrestled. And all I could hear in my mind were the words of my pastor saying, when the enemy pushes back, you push back harder. When the enemy pushes back, you push back harder. And I texted pastor that morning, 6 o'clock. I said, Pastor, we are going to have a service on Sunday with or without lights, bells, whistles, smells, smoke, whatever. We're going to have a service. I announced it. And that Sunday morning, 220 people showed up here. 220 people said, listen, we're not going to allow COVID. We're not going to allow riots. We're not going to allow circumstances. We're going to make a stand for Jesus. We are unashamedly Christians. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. If God be for us, oh, come on, somebody. Who can be against us? Oh, come on. It's about the purpose of God. It's about being here to stand when nobody else wants to stand. It's not religion. Oh, pastor, what about the safety? What about, why have you believed so many lies? In the midst of all this, CRC as a move gave more. 13 interlink trucks were sent to Durban to feed those who couldn't get food. Our members gave up worrying about themselves to help feed those less fortunate than, than themselves. We as a local church gave more than we've ever given. We sowed more than we've ever sowed. We did more for God than we've ever done before. And we began to see God's divine restoration take place. We began to see God's orchestrated recovery take place. And then we had the floods. And here we began to see God's divine orchestrated breakthrough as we started to recover and see the building victory. Hey, I'll say this boldly. We haven't recovered all yet. But wow, we've come a long way and God is still busy. And we haven't seen the full breakthrough yet, but we are well on our way to seeing it. And there are three things I want to close with that I have learned. So much more I could say, but three things I, 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 I've discovered about God in a, in a deeper dimension. Oh, I knew them and I lived by them in the past, but three things I discovered in a special way when your back is against the wall and you've got nowhere else to turn to and you realize but God I need you God I'm trusting you I'm talking about battles I had with God in private because my back was against the wall I didn't know where to turn oh I had friends advising me I had people telling me what to do but I realized I was in a season in my life where a friend wasn't going to save me where a friend's help wasn't going to guide me I had to follow God I had to get to know God in a greater dimension in a deeper dimension and the first thing I learned to do in a different way was trust God trust God my pastor can lead me up to a certain point but he's not God and I thank God for the example that he is to me and I've watched how he's had to trust God and because I see him doing it, I know I can do it. And I had to learn in the fights and the wrestling. At times I felt like Jacob and I said to God, I will not let go of you until you bless me. Fights that nobody knows about. Fights that nobody could see. Moments with God. I learned to trust God. I've become so dangerous to the devil. 
He should have taken me out when I, he, when I got cancer. He should have taken me out when people tried to split our church. Not once, twice, numerous occasions. He should have actually taken me out when I was unsaved and I was still drinking and partying and doing reckless things. But he missed his opportunity. I am now dangerous to him. Because I learned to trust God. I learned to trust God. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. I believe no matter how impossible the situation, God can turn it around. If He can raise the dead, He can raise a dead situation. If He can raise the dead, He can resurrect a bad marriage. If He can raise the dead, He can resurrect a business that's gone bankrupt. If He can raise the dead, He can turn a city around. If He can raise the dead, He can turn a nation around. If He can raise the dead, we can see revival again. If God can do that with the dead, what can He do with us? That is alive. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Who delivered us? He has delivered us from so great a death. And does deliver us. And in whom we trust, He will still deliver us. I learned to trust God. The second thing I learned in a deeper and a more a profound way, if I can put it that way, in a more revelationary way, if I can put it that way, maybe in a more revolutionary way, if I can put it that way, to keep purpose my priority, the purpose for which I am alive. My wife always says, wherever you are, you start talking to people because of purpose. Because of purpose. Because people are at the heart of everything we do. And one of the biggest challenges we face in church circles is we know that we're here to win the lost, but we don't do it. I shared with, with you when I met with 10 pastors recently, and, and, and I said to them, when last did you as a pastor lead somebody to Jesus? When last did you as a pastor bring somebody to your church and see them get saved and see them get discipled and see them get on the right road? With, when last? And not one of those 10 pastors, all influential men of God in Durban, could say they could remember. If that's the state of us in the ministry, what about those that are in the church? We've all got excuses. We've all got reasons. But wherever I go, I'm looking. The one lady we got to know at the, at the hotel, we stayed there six nights. Um, every time she serves breakfast, sweetest girl. Eventually on Instagram with her, we're going to just witness to her about Jesus, trying to get into London church. I met a, a world champion or one of the top boxers in the world's manager. He sat at the table next to us. I told him about Jesus. He said, no, he's a Christian. Are you one of those again born Christians? I said, no, we're born again Christians. Amen. I said, we're here to serve God. We started communicating on social media so we could talk to each other. Because why? I want to tell people about the goodness of God. But then I told you about the business person from Port Elizabeth I met. Wherever I go, I met somebody, on the, somebody else on the airport yesterday. And wherever we went, when we flew out of London, there they were in the queue. When we got back into South Africa, there they were in the queue. When we boarded our next flight, there they were in the queue. When we collected our baggage in Durban, there they were in the queue. Eventually, the guy says, buddy, call me so we can have coffee. I'm going to this week. Because it's about purpose. Never miss an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. It's not your job to save them, but it's your job to inform them. It's your job to enlighten them. It's your job to get them into a place where they can hear the gospel undiluted, hear the gospel uncompromised, hear the goodness of God, hear your story. It's time that we break the shackles off and we tell people about the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God and the saving power of Jesus Christ.
When we prioritize God's presence and His promises and His purpose, He brings us into a place of victory. The second thing I've learned is to keep purpose as my priority. I've got many scriptures I can't give it to you. Time has run out of me. The third thing and final thing. I learned that God can do it again. I learned that God can do it again. He has delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us. In whom we trust that He will still deliver us. If He's done it before, God can do it again. If He's done it for someone else in the Bible, God can do it for you. And if He's done it for me, my story, He can do it for you as well. Listen to me. One of the places I didn't get to in London, but I'll get there next time, is I told you the story about Wesley's house, the rectory. It's about 200 miles north of London. How a professor took a group of people to go look at his home. And when they got to his bedroom, there was a carpet with spots where Wesley had kneeled and prayed. And when they all got back to the, the bus, there was one student missing. And the professor had to go back into the house to look for the student. And found the student kneeling in the, 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 the knee prints of where John Wesley used to pray for that revival to break out in the Anglican church, which then was, became the Methodist church. And he found this one individual praying with his, in those knee, knee prints. And all the individual was praying was, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. And Lord, do it through me. And the professor stood there and listened to this young man praying. And eventually put his hand on his shoulder and said, Billy Graham, it's time to go. If God has done it for Billy Graham, God can do it for you. And I'm here to encourage you this morning. If God has done what He's done in 12 months in our church already, 12 months in my personal life and 12 months in our city, and He's kept you protected and He's kept you alive and He's kept you still living. You might not be where you want to be, but listen, you're still alive. And if you're still alive, He's not done. We have to ask Him to do it again. Come on, stand with me. Stand with me and just in your moment, in your way, say, God, I choose to trust you this morning. God, I choose to believe you and I choose to make your purpose my priority. And even from today after church here in Durban, there in Belito, watching on Faith TV, watching on Facebook, YouTube, just say, I'm going to start witnessing again from today. I'm going to share with people the goodness of God. And Father, come on, lift your hands for this part. Do it again. Oh, come on, you can say it. Lord, do it again. If you've done it before, God, you can do it again. If you've done it for somebody else in the Bible, Lord, you can do it for me. If you've done it for our pastor, Father, I know that you can do it for me. If you've done it for our church and I'm part of this church, Lord, I ask you to do it again in the name of Jesus. We want to see revival in our city. We want to see restoration in our city. We want to see you redeem our city and turn it around. We want to see our province coming to Christ. And Lord, we ask you today in the name of Jesus that you would raise up people in commerce, in business. You will raise up people in, in, in hospitals, people in schools, people in universities. Lord, we pray that you will raise up pastors around our city and in our congregation that will go and plant churches and bring revival to our city and to our province for the glory of your name, Father. We ask you, God, to do it again. We ask you, God, to restore our lives, to revive us again that your people may rejoice. Father, there's always a remnant that will believe your word. 
And even now as a church, as we come to a season where we're about to have our annual harvest event at Kingsmead Cricket Stadium, Lord, we ask you to stir up your people that we will see many across our city come pray with us every Saturday morning. Many across our city revived and bring their world, their unsaved, hurting world to Christ. That believers will come and get ignited by the fire of God. We will see you do it again. It's out of our control, Father. And we'll do the possible in our lives and we ask you, Lord, to do the impossible. We thank you that as we stand in this building, Father, we see this building paid off cash in the name of Jesus. That it will be a sovereign miracle working of God and that you will receive all the glory and all the honor and no man will be able to glory in what you've done. Do it again, we pray. We pray for breakthrough in every member's lives, in their families, in their children, in their children's schools and universities. Do it again, we pray, Father. Do what only you can do and be glorified, we pray. But it all starts as we fully surrender to Him. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, here in Durban, Belito, watching on television, on social media platforms, your life is not right with God. I'm not asking you whether you did the right things. I'm not asking you whether you came to church. I'm asking you, is your life right with God? Have you surrendered your heart to Jesus? Is Jesus Christ truly Lord of your life? Or maybe you're standing here this morning saying, I did once, but all these things that you were talking about affected my trust and my belief in God, and I'm just hanging on by a thread. Then it's time to come back to Him. So while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, that's you, God speaking to you. Nobody looking around, believers are praying in this place, there in Belito, in social media platforms, on television. I'm here to tell you God loves you. And no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, He wants a relationship with you. And He'll knock on the door of your heart, but you have to respond to Him. Not a head decision, it's a heart decision. If that's you this morning here in this building, you know you've wandered away and you need to come back. You haven't given your heart to Jesus, but, or you have, but you've wandered away. Then quickly, slip up your hand high and say, yes, you're talking to me this morning. Just pray this simple prayer with me, but believe every word you're praying. Say, Jesus, I give myself back to you. Thank you for dying on the cross and overcoming death that I can put my trust in you, my hope in you. I believe this morning as I receive salvation, I receive forgiveness, I receive hope and a promise of a new life in Christ. Guide me, guard me, keep me and use me for your glory in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for what you've begun in these people's lives. We cannot see the inner working of the Holy Spirit. But Father, what you've started, may you complete. Guide them, guard them, keep them, use them for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.